This is the Great IO Get Together, originally recorded on YouTube Live. Although you can listen to the show as a podcast, you only get the full experience by visiting thegig.online/youtube. Welcome to the Great IO Get Together. On tonight's show, quips and queries about the world of work as IO psychology comes alive. Now, please welcome our hosts, Richard and Tara. Thank you so much, Sherry. Welcome, everyone, to Great IO Get Together number 18, IO Team Tussle uh, with the Avery Lab and Bisbee Lab. My name is Richard. This is my co-host, Tara. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to be in the loop for the next show, make sure you click subscribe, notification bell below the video, join the show's Discord, uh, join our email notification list. You can find details about all of that on the website, thegig.online. All of our regular shows, and this one is no exception, have two halves. In the first half, we have a little fun. Second half, we get a little more serious, all with our guests of the day. So today, we are setting a gig record for guest count. Uh, joining us today are members from two research labs. On the left, hailing from the University of Houston's College of Business, Team Avery, featuring C.T. Bauer, Chair of Inclusive Leadership, Dr. Derek Avery, and two of his graduate students, uh, Larissa Garcia and Horatio Trailer. So welcome, Team Avery. <laughs> on the right, hailing from the George Washington University's Department of Organizational Sciences and Communications, we have Team Bisbee featuring Assistant Professor Dr. Tiffany Bisbee and two of her graduate students, Anthony Ferroni and Maddie Romero. Welcome, Team Bisbee. <laughs> that is the dramatic difference in, in response. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, today. <laughs> Today's game is called Team Tussle. Uh, so this game is suspiciously similar to, but legally distinct from what you might refer to as family feud. We have scoured the internet to find empirical data on important opinions that matter to IO psychologists. And we're gonna be asking members of each team to guess the 10 most popular answers to two questions. So each team is gonna keep guessing until they get three misses or they get all the answers right. They get three misses, then the other team has the chance to steal by guessing one additional correct answer from the 10 that they didn't guess. Uh, so whoever has more points at the end wins, and we might have a tiebreaker around if we uh, if we need it. Uh, so before the show, we tossed a coin to determine who goes first, uh, or who gets the pick, actually, and Team Bisbee won. Uh, so that means that you get the choice of choosing whether you go first or last. So uh, Team Bisbee, what do you, what do you want to do? We're going to play. Oh, we're going to play. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so uh, we will go ahead and get started. So I'm going to ask the, the question, and uh, uh, we will uh, start with Tiffany on the left there um, with the first answer. So here's a question. This last May, we had the 2022 uh, SIOP Annual Conference in Seattle. Uh, although not exclusively in-person, this was our big return to in-person conferencing in the, in the wake of the pandemic. So one thing that happens after the annual conference uh, is that a survey goes out asking for reactions. So the, the first question is about that survey. So according to the 2022 survey of conference attendees, if you had to pick one word to describe the conference, what word would you pick? So we're looking for the top 10 answers. Uh, go go for it. What is your, what is your guess? Hmm. <clears throat> Let's see. For me, the conference was very awkward because it was our first time really getting together. Um, I'm not sure if other people felt that way, but I guess it's the most authentic. So I'm going to go with awkward. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but that is not in the top mm. 10. So that's the first strike. I don't have a loud buzzer. I can just say, you know, no. Oh. <laughs> no. We, we had had a discussion of having a big plastic fuzzy guy, but yeah, it didn't happen. Did not, no. Awkward awkward is an interesting answer. <laughs> well, I'm sure that was answer number 11. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I mean, did anything in, I mean, was it just meeting people or just did you get, oh, yeah. did you forget how to conference? I, that was kind of my experience. A conference is a, is a big part of it. I think mm -hmm. that we're used to getting in these kind of, in our Zoom world, um, there's not so much small talk. It sort of just gets straight to the meeting. And now we're meeting these people that we haven't seen in two years. And remember, wait, how do I start this conversation? And uh, that happened to me a lot. So, you know, afterwards I had to talk to a lot of people. Hey, sorry about that really weird interaction. Here's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> Get a do-over? That's amazing. Yeah, do-over. 
right, we uh we're already at one strike, zero out of ten. <laughs> let's uh let's let's get guest number two. All right, I think it's my turn. So I'm gonna say insightful. Um, it was my first in-person psyop, and I was able to come into this awesome community where there was, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was an amazing experience, but there's so many people with such great experience and research and conversations that I just really got a lot of insight out of it. So that's one word that I would describe the conference. So something similar. I'm going to say that's close enough. So one of the answers is educational. I'm going to say that's that is a, a, not a strike. What's the opposite of a strike? A ball. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. Correct. <laughs> Great job. So next. Um, nice. Mm -hmm. uh, but from what I gather from just listening and thinking about the transition from virtual back to in person, I would have to say it'd be people indicate it would be an adjustment getting back to that in-person feeling after being remote for so long. Hmm. Just, I think that's a strike. That's yeah. a strike. I think completely valid observation, but not in the top 10. Hmm. possible that the survey people were just lying. They were trying to put on a good face. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Anthony gets a pass because it's, he's a first-year student, so he hasn't been to SIOP before. Ah. Uh. You've heard a lot of discussion mostly about name tags so far. That's the that's the most important <laughs> part. Of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, I guess it's my turn again. Is mm -hmm. social different from that? Yeah, I think that people probably felt that it was very it was more social. Yeah, we'll go with that. Social, social. I'm thinking networking. networking. That. Yes, I'm going to say yes. That is close enough to engaging, which is the number two, number two answer. <laughs> exactly. Might be some liberties there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is a word really? <laughs> that's that's a great observation in the middle of a word game. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, Maddie, back to you. Maddie. <laughs> um. I think I'm going to say exciting. Um, a lot of people together that are passionate about the same things and I, kind of along what I already shared, um, I would say that people probably found it exciting to be around um, everything. So that's what I'm going with. Exciting is the number five answer. Well done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to then say just thinking how it's just an event where people from all the field can get together and share their ideas on what's currently going on in the industry. Be very informative. I think we'll say it's informative. Informative oh. is the number one answer. Yeah. Nice. Yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. Now it's on me. Uh, let's see. Hmm. What do we? So I feel like informative really, really touches on the whole point of the thing. Engaging. Mm, I'm going to go with, mm, let's see, Maddie, you seem like you have some. No, I don't. Of. You don't? <laughs> well, I'll just buy us some more time. <laughs> let's see. I'm actually at a loss. What is, I, fun? Is fun an option? <laughs> I'll go with fun because that's that's really what it's all about, right? Getting together with the people you haven't seen in, um, you know, since grad school. It's really our our family. It's like our reunion. So I'm gonna go with fun. Well, I'm happy to tell you that fun is the number six answer. Mm -hmm. So we've just got one, two, three, four, five answers left, Maddie. Yeah, that's so. This is halfway on the board so far. If you're following at home, informative, engaging, exciting, fun, and educational so far. I'm running out of adjectives, I'll say. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm might be out. Um just getting flashbacks to being up there in the north the northwest. Um such a great experience. I think <laughs> this is hard. I know, I know. <laughs> All right. Um kind of follows in line with some of the other words that have been taken, but what's coming to mind is like intellectual. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. 
Mm. And that's a strike. Yeah. Oh. That's all I had left. Thank Excellent you. showing, though. Excellent showing for Team Busby. All right, we we have the opportunity for a steal. There are five words left on this list. You can confer as much as you like, uh, but we uh, we need an answer. We should do comps this way for graduate school. I don't know if that would be like top ten, but probably like ten. Yeah. Yours is such an I.O. answer. I mean, I'm saying motivated. He said motivated. <laughs> it was. That's a good one. Oh, wait. We're, should it oh. be? That's okay. We'll help. <laughs> we got some things by our competitors. <laughs> I mean, that's always been the way that, you know, you're supposed to feel after you leave PSYOP. So if that's, I think that, that would have to be in the top 10, right? You feel good about that? Yes. All right. I mean, I'm going to feel like a complete jackass if you know no, I don't. the other two um we're gonna go with motivating mm. motivating all right i'm gonna say that's close enough to the number three answer which is energizing ah that's so well done that's great congratulations so a fun a fun observation nobody guess any negative words and yet there is one on the list so top 10 top down informative engaging energizing Inspiring, exciting, fun, disappointing, educational, interesting, overwhelming. Mm, overwhelming. Yeah. Those are not like these. Good job, though, on this. This is a tough task, although. <laughs> we'll get we'll, picked right. I'm busy. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I am curious that it did. Uh, why? Why no one had any negative guesses? Did is, was Syap universally popular and, and a great experience? Yeah. Yeah. Our, our ratios. Yeah, I, I said um, when we were discussing the steal, I mm. said intimidate because I feel like mm -hmm. for some, especially probably like first year graduate students, it's their first big conference. Kind of feel like overwhelming, intimidating, and kind of fall in the same ballpark. Yeah. I was also thinking busy, but in the sense of like overwhelming, like there's just so much to do. I don't know where to go, um, but I'm trying to stay positive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like too much of a good thing can be really a lot. I, I know plenty of people who have to sneak up to their hotel and take a nap in the middle of the day because they've just spent so much energy processing everything that's going on. So that's very understandable. Mm -hmm. There, you know, one of the most common complaints I hear is that there's too many things in like a single you know, this this from a program chair kind of role, too many things in a single time slot that, that people want to go to like more than one thing. And then there's other slots where there's nothing. So they're like, ah, too much to choose in this like 30 minute band. Uh, I don't know. There's a sort of sense of uh, lost opportunity that really gets to people in these situations. Like you want to make the most of it, right? And, and the pressure to make the most of it can be a lot for, for folks. All right. Uh, that's true. Well, it's a significant investment of time and energy, and so you don't want to come away thinking that you only went to two sessions. Although, yeah. um, for my money, I think it's it's much better to spend time really engaging with a few ideas, a few new people, and, and leave with a few high-quality things. Quality over mm -hmm. quantity is what I say. Um, except when it comes to gig guests, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the other thing related to that is that people tend to look at the program as though it were designed with them in mind, yeah. right? Without considering all of the constraints that the the program committee, you know, has to to work through. And so they're like, well, why are all the things that I want to go to at the same time? And it's like, yeah, th there's a lot going into that. And it's not just someone sitting back trying to figure out how much they can frustrate you. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the most complicated logic problem on earth. Yeah. Well, I, I will say, speaking of frustrating people, let's move to question two. <laughs> <laughs> how is how is that for for a, a segue? So question. Excellent. Question, <laughs> question two um, might be a little harder. Let's find out. Um, so uh, Onet as you all know, is an online resource made by the, maintained by the U.S. Department of Labor. Tracks a lot of information about jobs in the United States. Uh, part of that effort 
You have job analysts, people whose job is to analyze jobs, rating occupations, and KSAOs on a lot of different dimensions. Um, with that background, leads me to our question. On ONET, what are the 10 most important skills across the entire U.S. economy? Go. <laughs> so first off, that's a much harder question. Um, but I think I'm going to say communication. Uh, I feel like across disciplines, that's one thing that's pretty much universal. I know academics tend to work alone sometimes, but we also are very collaborative. So I think I'm going to say communication. Yep, I'm going to say that is uh, the number two answer, speaking, communication. Nice. nice. On the board already. Strong start. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to say this one because it's going to really pain me if it's not there, and that's <clears throat> analytical. Analytical. I don't know about that. Mm, I need to be more specific. Yeah, can you? Oh, okay. Yeah, can you elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> that is literally my biggest shortcoming: is an inability to elaborate. So, yeah, I don't uh, think elaboration's on the top ten this year. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so I'll, I'll scrap that one and go with decision making. Judgment and decision making is the number six answer. Nice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the hint that I was hoping that you were giving, Derek, and say data analysis. Data analysis. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't think that's it. Nope. Strike one. <laughs> it should be, though. I fully agree with you. <laughs> mm. I'm going to say something that I think Derek was getting at with analysis and say problem solving. Number seven answer, complex problem mm -hmm. solving. Nice. Wanna roll? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard because you know, there are a lot of kinds of jobs. And it's hard to keep all of them in mind when we're thinking about this, but <laughs> so far very strong. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out what the adjective is for emotional labor, given that we're in a service economy. So mm. friendliness? Or empathy, something like that. Um, you know, I think I'm going to say that is the number nine answer, social perceptiveness. Mm -hmm. You guys are doing an excellent job here. <laughs> <laughs> May I have back and forth with my teammates? <laughs> that was a little like Dickensian, like may I have some more please? You only have one strike so far, so there's no consequences to a wrong guess. But I was that first strike. Oh. <laughs> I had already forgotten that, so you know. <laughs> what did you say the first time? Communication. Yeah, current current correct answer is speaking, judgment and decision making. Complex problem solving, social perceptiveness. Like teamwork or like collaboration beyond there? I'm going to say yes. That's coordination, which is the number 10 answer. Nice job. Halfway. What is something that you need for pretty much every job? Hmm. What about resilience? Mm. Well, like as much that. as I agree with like you, that. that is not on <laughs> the list of the top 10. Second strike. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about us. 
Okay, um, creativity and innovation. Nope. <laughs> nope, that is mm -hmm. a third strike. Sorry, Team Avery. Yeah, same score as Team Bisbee had. We have five answers. Oh no, Bisbee had six. Oh, there's five five opportunities to steal now. Close game. Own it. They have to. It has to be something that's like common across job because they're using the same the same scale or whatever. And you guys just use ONET for your training project. Oh, and you saw some of the things that were on there that might be common. I'm thinking like, that's what I was thinking. Insider knowledge here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was going to say teamwork before that one was taken, um, obviously. Yeah. So conflict management. That's what, yeah. Those so which one do you think is most common? What came up for your project? Interpersonal skills. I was nervous that that might overlap. Okay. Or the speaking. It was speaking. So that's why, because Does they broke it down. speaking include listening? No. <laughs> it does not. I think speaking and listening both go into communication, and that is most important across mm -hmm. all jobs. Was communication already mentioned though, right? Well, speaking is covered. Yeah, because when he was elaborating, he was talking about talking. Let's like, go with listening then. What do you think, Anthony? Let's do it. Listening. Wow, listening happens mm. to be the number one answer. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> A lot about social skills. Everything. Everything. Social skill, right? So, yeah, the full list. Which uh, which uh, starts with active listening. Then we have speaking, critical thinking, reading comprehension, monitoring, judgment and decision making, complex problem solving, writing, social perceptiveness, coordination. That's top ten. Not a single technical skill, and that's great for our work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you just said. This is something that everybody has to do, right? No matter no matter what job you are doing. Mm -hmm. You need these skills. Um, and yet, look at the things that we cover in K-12 education, right? Almost none of these. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the score, Richard? Uh, or am I supposed to know that? It, it seems to be one-to-one. -one. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, so that, we need a we're, we need, we have a tiebreaker round. We're going to have to tiebreak okay. it. Yeah. So uh, this one you can both you can confer individually, and and as long as you don't have the same answer, we're all good. It's uh, closest correct or closest guess to the correct answer to this question. How many total psychology masters and doctoral programs are there in the United States, according to the SIAP graduate program list? And I had better not see any cell phones come out. No googling. Yes. <laughs> you know this right. And this is not Wheel of Fortune rules. Whoever's closest over or under. Mm -hmm. Masters and masters and doctoral. Masters yep. and doctoral. And so if a university has both, we count it as two. Okay. You have five seconds. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really true. I just, you There's know, no like, five, no. Dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in class with the same. Yeah. I want to hear what they have to say. Who goes first? <laughs> <laughs> We, we should have done like a you have to write it on paper and show at the same time approach. Oh, I, I trust them though. Yeah. I trust them. That would, it would have been more dramatic since I don't know how many more five second deadlines you're going to give them at this point. But Just one more. Okay, five great. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like one of those Google interview questions like how much would you charge to wash all the windows in New York City? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it's really about how you got to the answer. But in this case, it is not. We want to know what the answer is. It's about the answer. <laughs> it's like business. 
Yeah, this so, this is about winning. It's just, you, right. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to cut us off. We're gonna keep doing. It. All right. We want an answer from Team Avery first. Two twenty. Okay, two twenty. Team Busy. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! It's the one that's closest, right? Yeah, I'm gonna don't go use anchoring bias now, just because they said 220. Do we go to? Oh, go with the same thing? No, oh, say whatever number you want. I'm saying just don't pay attention to their guess with your. Oh, right, Maddie, I'm gonna let you go. No. Yes, do it. Say it. <laughs> okay, the, the scoring works based you on. Got it. You have to go with the same thing that we got. All right, we're gonna go with um, we're gonna go with 80. 80? All right. 80. Those are your final answers. 220 and 80. Yeah. And the actual answer is 195. Oh! They were closer the first time. But wait, <laughs> if we average your two answers together, do we get the right answer? Wisdom of the crowds here? No, we do not. <laughs> <laughs> we need more crowds. But that means that Team Avery is the winner of the tiebreaker and winner of the game. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really close game. Well done. Well done. Do you have any do you have any words of wisdom for the for the audience on your win? It's harder than I thought it would be. That's the that's what we're going for. <laughs> So, so a, fu a fun part of this exercise is we we uh, we actually get to see kind of the interaction between uh, within your labs, which is actually quite different in a lot of really interesting ways. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, after the break. So we'll we'll come back for some discussion about lab dynamics and and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, just a few minutes. See you then. And we're back. Uh, so in this second half, we are going to be uh, asking our, our lab team guests uh, a handful of questions um, about, uh, well, about labs and, and what labs are and where they came from. So um, why don't we start uh, by actually talking about that word. So when, when we say the word lab, uh, some viewers might imagine like a basement lab, men in white coats, people mixing reagents and beakers and such. Um, is I, it's, I don't think that's what I mean by lab. I don't, it's probably not what, what you all, you folks mean of lab uh, either, but I would like to know. Uh, so maybe, uh, Maddie, why don't we start with you? What, what do you think of, what does the word lab mean to you? Uh, yeah, of course. doesn't really involve chemicals for us at least. Um, <laughs> but I think kind of the phrase that comes to mind when we talk about like our research labs is like a familial think tank. Um, I mm. think... I've actually been able to be a part of a couple labs here at GW, but um, generally speaking, like it's a group of people that intellectually are talking about and solving problems, um, whether that be in research or in practice, we're constantly having these conversations about different topics. Um, and I say familial in that they're kind of as, uh, like we're like, the students are kind of like siblings in some ways, <laughs> not really like the fighting kind, but like, you know, like informal mentorships and also friends and then mm -hmm. the advisor um, being, I guess, a parental figure in that. Uh, that's just how I'm kind of thinking about it um, in terms of like providing guidance and having more expertise. So that's kind of how I, I picture lab. Oh, oh. I, I'm, I'm curious if that's the same reaction on uh, on Team Avery's side. Maybe, uh, maybe Horatio, do you have uh, thoughts on your definition? Yeah, I would say it's quite similar to that. Um, I also come from a lab background in my undergraduate hmm. program when I was in psychology. But now being in a business school <clears throat> and having the opportunity to be in the lab was really crucial to my development. Not only having other collaborators from as other PhD students, but having more than one faculty mentor and um, kind of getting insight from multiple perspectives and people at different stages of their career. I really think of it, honestly, more as a family than anything else. I think mm -hmm. about the lab space in terms of the people and not necessarily the physical space, right? So we get to, together mm -hmm. to answer these really interesting questions, but we also just talk about life, talk about professional development, careers, things of that nature that we probably wouldn't be able to get from just having 
maybe our cohort members or just having maybe your faculty advisor, you get these different perspectives and people combined from different backgrounds. Some have been in practice and before coming to academia now, some came straight from undergrad like me, some worked in a research lab like Ladisa. So I think it's just like this coalescence of a lot of individual and interesting backgrounds combined together to answer interesting questions. Mm. The, you know, it's, I'm, I'm intrigued, I'm interested in, in your previous lab experience a little bit, because the, the differences between labs can sometimes be really stark. So were, were you in a, like an undergrad psych lab then, or, or what? Yeah, so how is that, do you, do you feel that's very different than what you're doing now, or, or more or less the same? I would say it's pretty different, and mm -hmm. that's because, so I was an undergrad, and as of right now, we don't have any actual undergrads in our lab here. It's kind of more mm -hmm. of like a Derek and Enrica thing where we have our own individual lab and we work together with other PhD students. So everyone in our lab is P in, uh, at the doctoral level at least, right? So I think that's very different. But it's also similar in a way where, so me being a second year now, as the first year's transition in, it's more similar to the way the PhD students were mentoring me when I was an undergrad, right? So mm -hmm. it's still that kind of um, lineage is still that kind of collaborative nature and it's still that mentoring process. I find it to be fulfilling in the same and different ways at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, it's So it's really interesting um, to me and, and maybe to viewers as to how labs come about. <laughs> so there, there are many different models, right? Uh, and uh, we haven't even heard any examples of what's kind of the more common European model, which is almost like an apprenticeship, very close one-on-one -on -one sort of mentoring model. Um, so maybe why don't, why don't we a a turn to um, uh, Tiffany, because you, you have recently uh, kind of done this grad student faculty transition uh, and had to work through some of these decisions about how to how to make a lab to go from being part of one to, to leading one. So um, what is what has that transition been like? Uh, how how have you made decisions about uh, creating your lab? What inspired that? And, and maybe even just a brief summary of kind of your recent journey in, in relation to, to doing that. Yeah, so it is a big transition. Um, and it's not really something that you're taught in grad school, I guess. Uh, you're, you know, you know, you get the chance to mentor undergrads, I guess, when when you have research assistants, when you're lucky enough to have that. Uh, and the things that I've been exposed to is just like, you know, an end of one experience. So there's tons of different ways. I don't know which way is the best way or not. So I could be driving us all off a cliff, and I don't know if we're doing it, if how it's gonna land. Um, we're doing it. So. And also, I come from a very privileged position as a grad student at Rice University where there are resources just abound and where my advisor was like a powerhouse and had all these things in place where I could just, you know, go there and there's work and I can do it. And, you know, and it's not here. I'm going to have to work for that myself. Right. I need to find the resources and see the lay of the land and um, figure out you know, kind of make these choices more intentionally so that I can create that system that worked for him. Because, you know, there we're working on, we had like multiple multi-million dollar grants that we're all working on. And I can't just do that here. I can't apply for all, like who's going to do all the work, right? You know, so, I mean, for me, my approach to it, first of all, it was very overwhelming. Um, so my approach to it was just trying to get all the students interest. Luckily, I'm teaching in class with all the PhD students. So I tell them to come to lab and, you know, see what we've got going on, see what everyone's interests are. Uh, and then I, I presented them with all of my ongoing projects. And now we're kind of sort of moving towards like starting new projects based on like a combination of both of our interests. Um, and, you know, we always, every time I collect it, I always <laughs> collect more than is needed. I have a bunch of qualitative data that I haven't really done anything with yet, but I have big ideas for. So I present that stuff to them and I see who's taking the initiative and who, like what happens when I assign them something, how are, how are they working? And I'm doing a lot of observing and um, seeing where, um, where I need to push and pull different levers to keep projects going, right? Mm. So I guess that's my approach is um, observing and learning for a little bit and seeing uh learning about them is also helping me learn about myself and what needs to be done it's actually not unlike parenting so <laughs> i'm glad you brought that up 
So the, the, the process of kind of feeling it out is, is really interesting. I'm curious. Um, I don't know how, how willing they'll be to answer this, but maybe, maybe Anthony. <laughs> uh, so you've seen this from the, the student side. Uh, have it, is that struggle like evident to you or are you just kind of like, ah, you know, decisions are getting made in lab and that's what happens. Or are you an active participant in that? Like how, how do you feel? I don't, I don't feel as though the struggle of that, of getting, you know, your feet off the ground being evident, but I think it's definitely helpful for me being a first year student and seeing how the lab is starting and how we're, we're getting our footing um, from engaging interest in ongoing projects. It's really helpful because it's not like probably being forced on you say, oh, here's what we're working on. Would you be interested in working on this? And then typically getting paired up with a more senior student to help kind of lead it because I have yet to lead the projects. I don't know the process behind that yet fully. So that's helpful. And also, I believe we had gotten, we had to, I think we told you like our research interests. So if there's anything in the future that she, that she might have an idea of working on, we can kind of incorporate our ideas into or our interests. So I think it's, it's definitely it's 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 a course of learning environment as a PhD student. Mm. Even a first year trying to get a gauge of where I want to explore in, in the field. So I think it's definitely it's very helpful being at the at the start of the labs. I feel like I'm not in the middle of something. I'm I'm where it's starting, you know. Yeah. Something something else that I didn't mention was is that there's a real entrepreneurial aspect to it all. Um, and those are the skills that we don't really get in, in, mm. in our at least not directly you sort you kind of pick up on it but you know if you're an entrepreneur you usually have a business plan and like a model in place that you're gonna put forth and um i i wish that i had that um i did not kind of just learning as we go but it's it's a really kind of weird place we've landed uh in in academic settings now where i've heard that metaphor a lot that it's almost like you're running a small business within a mm -hmm. university um, you have to find resources and figure out what you're going to have expenses on and try to balance all that out versus everybody's individual goals within the lab. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tricky problem. Uh, I also like to to follow up maybe a little on on Anthony's comments about starting. So uh, you know, I think the experience of of being in a lab when it starts is very different. And and my I know my. Uh, old first year students, they're now all out, you know, graduated by now, but their experience was very different than the cohorts that came close after them. Um, because I, at least I was exploring, you know, what it meant to be faculty at the time. And something I don't think I quite understood at the time was that graduate students generally are just like, just accept whatever you're doing because they're tied to you <laughs> and, uh, and don't necessarily question like, wait a minute, why are all these decisions this way? Uh, it's much more often to say, I joined this club and it, it is kind of a per, almost a, 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 I don't want to keep saying parental, but it is a little bit of that um, okay. where it's just, you're the responsible party and they're looking to you for leadership uh, and stepping into that can be difficult. So let me, let me actually turn that over to, to Derek then a little bit. Uh, I'm curious if, if, if your reactions and your experience was similar to mine in that regard, um, in that things now, are, are they different than they used to be? Do you, you know, when you started, was your approach to uh, creating and running a lab, uh, you know, when it was in tr that, that transition phase, did you have similar experiences as Tiffany did? And how have things evolved since then? And maybe for some scope with, with viewers, maybe a little sense of how long you've been doing this would also be helpful. Sure. Um, so this is, uh, this is my third year back at the University of Houston, but this time I'm in the business school. Last time I was in psychology. So I spent three years previously at the University of Houston where I had a lab in the psych department. And that was a very different experience because when I set foot on campus, I inherited students across the spectrum, mm. right? So I had first years, I had second years, you know, I had a fifth year, Right. So I, I think at any given point in time, I had probably you know, seven to 10 students um, in the doctoral program who were engaged with projects in my lab. And that infrastructure uh, made things a lot easier in terms of delegation because I had senior level students that I could say, OK, here's how I want you to do this. Now go. One of the things that I've really wrestled with being back at the University of Houston is, is we started our lab from scratch. Um, so in addition to it being different in that way, I was also sharing a lab uh, with Enrica Ruggs. So, you know, we said, hey, you know, let's let's do this together. 
it'll be a lot more fun that way. The students will have more access to different opportunities as well as faculty. So we were emulating, you know, kind of the, the model that, that Mickey Hebel and Eden King have at, at mm -hmm. Rice. Um, but the, the tricky part about starting with first years is that as much as I wanted to empower them, I also had to balance that with where they were from a developmental you know, perspective. And so that has been challenging, right? Because I'm saying, okay, I want to give you everything. I want to support you to do what you want to do. And they're like, we don't know what we want to do yet because you haven't taught us how to. So that is, has been one of the, the biggest challenges is figuring out you know, where to land that. Uh, and I think that my perspective is just different. So when I had that lab previously, you know, it was 2007, um, you know, piggybacking on Richard's question about giving sort of a historical perspective. Uh, the, to me, the, the biggest goal that I had for my lab was to get students fired up about research. Mm. And that was what I was trying to do. I wanted to get doctoral students fired up about research to potentially become academics. And I wanted to get undergraduates fired up about research to want to become doctoral students. And as much fun as we had, one of the things that I came to realize is that we produced a lot of quantity, but the quality wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. And so it was mm -hmm. very developmental in that students learned how to do research and how to publish research. But within our space, one of the things that has happened from that point until now is the expectations for a higher percentage of your projects to land in top tier journals is really ratcheted up. Right. So that that competition for that contested terrain is a lot more intense now than it was. And what I've come to realize from being on search committees at multiple schools is the way in which people are evaluating productivity is much more. There's much more emphasis and concentration on, you know, where are they publishing as opposed to are they publishing? And so I've tried to figure out, like, how do I still get them excited? And how do I empower them where I can while teaching them what they need to know while focusing on publishing in these top tier journals? And so figuring out where all of those concentric circles align when in many instances those things are not as aligned as much as they are competing, um, mm. that, that becomes the rub. That becomes the challenge. And then doing it with two people, right? It's, you know, it's not a single parent household. It's a dual parent household. <laughs> and, you know, she's got her perspectives on how the kids should be raised. And I got mine and we're all going back and forth. So it is it is a lot of fun, at least from my perspective. You'd have to ask the, the students whether or not they're having fun. Uh, but it is it is constantly evolving in that if you ask me what we are as a lab, I got to ask, what day is it? It's Monday. So, okay, I can give you the Monday answer. Well, you, you set me up for a, a follow-up question for uh, Larissa. So ha has it been fun? What is, what is your experience of that model? What is your experience of that model been? Of course it's been fun. <laughs> it definitely has been fun. Um, I think first year for me, so I'm a second year, first year for me, and I'm sure for all of us, we were all getting into Houston that same year. So it was a big mm -hmm. adjustment. I've enjoyed this year, the second year a lot more because we have two first years who we get to collaborate with um, and bounce ideas off of each other. But also uh, I feel like there's just more like structure to the lab as well um, than we had our first year, which is kind of feeling things out, understanding how we all work individually and how we might work together. Um, I think Darren and Rika did a great job getting um, a group of students together where we all share an office. So whenever we're in our office together, we're bouncing ideas off of each other. It's just trying to see how we can um, put some extra spins on research questions and maybe even just like some social support as well. That's been mm. probably something that I underappreciate sometimes, but I've been noticing a little bit more like I really appreciate that we have four students versus Whenever it was just Horatio and I, it was like we only had each other. <laughs> um, so we get a little bit more of that. So, you know, it's what strikes what strikes me about that uh, answer is it's still even though you're in a much more established lab, it still sounds like you're it's almost like job crafting, like you're still finding your own way to kind of relate and, and construct your relationships within the lab. So it's it's still 
I don't want to say up to you, but it's a, you, you have more, you still have a lot of control. It's not like everything is, is, is set when you walk in the door. I would agree. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> because so we still have like our one-on-ones as well as our lab meetings as well. So we get mm. to have a little more of our individual control and individual preferences and in those one-on-ones and then the labs, like mm. we kind of get to put it in there, um, but it's still trying to see what works for the most amount of people versus what works just for one. Mm. Uh, but we need to ha- exercise that control a little bit more in our one-on-ones. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I, I, an interesting kind of dimension, I think, that may not be obvious, might not be obvious to some listeners is I, I think these are good, these are examples of like good strategies. And <laughs> not everybody's lab experiences like this. It's suddenly striking me that we're not going to have any examples of what does this look like when it goes badly? Because uh, it's a very different kind of, uh, uh, very different kind of interrelationship that often sometimes happens within within labs. Um, one of the most critical pieces of advice I think that we can give to grad students is try to figure out what kind of lab culture you're going into before you get into grad school, because uh, it completely shapes your experience, uh, both day to day and long term. So uh, in in the interest of time, I think we might uh, go ahead and move to uh, kind of our, my last question, um, which is, uh, you know, I would love to hear from both Tiffany and Derek, uh, your kind of best piece of advice. Uh, so, you know, among recommendations for starting up a lab, uh, you know, what, what do you think is the most important thing you would tell someone striking out to try to make this, uh, this transition from grad student to, uh, to supervisor? Uh, I don't know. What would you, what would you say to that person, uh, looking for, for one piece of advice? Uh, and maybe let's start with Derek. (laughs) I think the one piece of advice that I would give, and this is just, you know, kind of consistent with what I do um, as a diversity researcher, is not not come into it with preconceived notions that are inflexible and that are rigid. Mm. Um, You've got to meet the students where they are. And they can be good things, they can be bad things, right? So sometimes you have a, a level of expectation and your expectation may be too high or your expectation may be too low. Um, so I think that there has to be that flexibility um, to, to be able to adapt the plan kind of mm. on the fly and say, hey, you know, this is what we were going to do, but now we're going to change course because I see that, you know, you've got this and I didn't know that you had that. Or I see that you're interested in this and I didn't know that you were going to be interested in that. So I think that you can you should certainly go into it with a plan because not having a plan is never a good idea. Um, but don't be so wed to that plan that you don't realize that that plan is just not tenable with the folks that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's really about making sure that there's a there's compatibility between what it is that you're intending to do and the folks that that you have helping you to do it. That. That almost sounds like a, a, a condemnation of a kind of an authoritarian style of leadership within a lab. That if, if you're the top of the food chain and dictating down, that that's not a good idea for a lot of reasons. Condemnation's strong. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that certainly would not be the approach that I would advocate. Mm. Yeah, Tip, Tiffany, uh, what's your what's your advice? We're on that same note. And like I said, I don't know if what I'm doing is working, but it seems to be going well so far um, is is I, I spend a lot of time and effort developing psychological safety so that they feel like they're equal contributors so that they can share their ideas, because that's kind of the benefit of that. You know, we as you know, it, professors, I guess, um, know the lay, the breadth of the field. We know kind of what's been done and what hasn't, and we can get caught up in like, oh no, let's not do that. This is this area's already been totally like washed out. We we know we know enough about it. But we have to welcome the new perspectives of the new students. And I just think that having that sort of authoritarian or like I know what's best, take my direction and you just kind of trust the process doesn't really serve us, at least from my perspective right now. Um, and it also it also works out uh, because we are in this place of less structure, um, to we we have an opportunity to grow their interests and sort of make our name in our lab and the areas like that they they are equal contributors. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, but, 
guess what that actually wasn't where I was going <laughs> until I my my real answer was going to be to draw on your network because nobody does this alone, right? Mm. So um, ask people to sit in on their lab meetings, expose yourself to different um, different ideas, different ways of running a lab. I mean, in my last lab, we didn't even have lab meetings; it just worked. And then in a lab I'd been in previously, it was multiple lab meetings every week. So we're somewhere in the middle right now. <laughs> well, um, for, for what it's worth, and, and as a piece of unsolicited feedback, it almost sounds like you're following Derek's advice and kind of feeling things out and, and, and working out uh, where, sure. where you want to go. So, so great. <laughs> I, so. I really connected with Derek's story and um, getting, especially like starting from a place where we're just trying to energize the students to participate. Mm. Um, so right now my struggle is making sure that I follow through with that, um, making making sure that I'm not just getting them energized for nothing, like for what? So giving things that are actually exciting to work on mm. and you know, make, helping them enjoy the process of the parts that aren't so enjoyable, because there are many in research. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I, I think we're we're running a little uh, a little long, so we can we can cut it off there. Thank thank you uh, all so much for for participating today. Big group. Uh, I I hope everybody got a, a chance to talk as much as you would like to talk. Uh, we're um uh yeah, just so grateful that you were all able to come on despite all of the various behind the scenes technical weirdness and loss of electricity and webcams dying and everything else that, that has uh, that has uh, acted as a barrier. So I'm glad you were all here. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. That is it for gig number 18. Uh, if you enjoyed yourself today, uh, be sure to watch out for our next show uh, by subscribing, turning on your YouTube notifications, joining our email notification list, which you can find on the website. Uh, you can also chat with the gig community uh, by joining our Discord. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time for another great I.O. get-together. Bye. Oh, the times were hard and the wages low. Leave a Johnny, leave a... I guess it's time for us to go. And it's time for us to leave her. Leave a Johnny, leave a... That's it for another gig. To stay in touch, subscribe on YouTube, check out our website at thegig.online, join our LinkedIn group, sign up for our email notification list, and join our Discord. So many ways to connect. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time for another great I.O. get-together.